Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan, and we're back. Dr. Ravenel, welcome as a guest on Freedom Forum Radio. Obviously, uh, one of the things that is of concerning to many parents nowadays is that children are being vaccinated. And I guess we we already know that children's risk from COVID is so low, it's barely even worth talking about. And yet we are now uh, faced with the prospect of having children forced by school systems, for instance, to be vaccinated for something that is absolutely no risk. Yes. The, the, the proposition of administering these vaccines to children in my opinion, uh, is I don't. I'm hesitant to. I don't even know what word to use. There is there is no rational or empirical data to justify giving any child of any age one of these vaccines. Period. I absolutely believe that from studying hundreds of hours on this issue. the The risk of a child who gets COVID or the likelihood of a child surviving COVID if they get the disease is about 99.998%. That's with no early treatment. If a child gets sick, we have early treatment. If we can, if they can go to a doctor who is not caught up in the system, which forbids using early treatment. So there's no, there's no reason for any child to die from COVID, even without the vaccine. It's just none, no, no reason for it. The number of children who've died from COVID as opposed to, quote, with COVID, is a very small number. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a finite number. With all the millions of children in America, the number of kids who've died from COVID, that gets into another, perhaps the greatest controversy of the entire pandemic is the diagnosis and the testing. The PCR test now, most people have heard of PCR. The PCR test, it stands for polymerase chain reaction. The inventor of the PCR test, Kerry Mullis, who unfortunately died about two months before the first case of COVID was identified, Kerry Mullis, who invented it, received a Nobel Prize for it, the technique, warned in multiple videos, I have all of them on my computer, uh, that this technology cannot diagnose anything, period. He invented it. He said it is useful to determine the presence of things, but you cannot determine whether a virus is infected, uh, an active transmissible virus, as opposed to a fragment of an old virus or something else, whatever. 
furthermore, any PCR test that does not have with it, with the report, positive or negative, if it doesn't say at what cycle number it was run, it is literally means nothing. And that cannot be argued that is fact. And yet I've never seen a patient ever say they were ever told what cycle number. The reason it doesn't mean anything, if you, to do the PCR, it's a, if it's Carrie Mullis said, Dr. Fauci had a video back in July of 2021 that I have a copy of. And he said that if you run these, well, let me back up, cycle numbers, what PCR test does, according to Carrie Mullis, who invented it, is it multiplies something. So you take something which is undetectable by standard methods, like a microscope, whatever, or you have to use an electron microscope for certain things. But in this case, you have a, an amount of material that's so small, you can't identify it, you can't see it. You can multiply it with this technology, any substance. You take one to one goes to two, four, eight, 16, 32, 64, and each cycle is a doubling of the number. So if you take the cycle numbers of 35, for example, which is, was standard for many of the COVID tests, the, the PCR, 35 cycle numbers, the, the number of multiplications is, I don't know, it's a, it's a billion or something, it's, it's millions, huge number. And as Carrie Mullis warned, if you, if you use PCR and you take the cycle number high enough, you can, you can uh, make anything become positive. You can make a, they've done it, you can, you can make a cactus plant become positive for, for um, SARS-CoV-2. Um, or you can take a person who's had a, a cold, just a regular cold 20 years ago, and you can multiply what's still in the body from the remnants of the virus, the dead virus. They're not infected with something transmissible. But it can become positive. You can make everybody on planet Earth positive. Use a high enough cycle number. That's what Kerry Mullis said. Fauci agreed. He said if you take a, he Fauci, Dr. Fauci said if you take um, asymptomatic people and screen. In other words, think of all the screens: schools, colleges. I, I'm, I literally with a laugh or cry when I see the schools, uh, basketball players sit out or they close down the school because they had so many quote cases. They're not cases. They're positive PCR tests. They mean nothing, literally. It, it's so the um, if the cycle number is low enough, there'll be false negative. It won't be positive. If you're high enough, you'll test everybody positive, and nobody knows where to put the what, what cycle number to draw it. But there's no cycle number ever provided, so they mean nothing. It's uninterpretable. So it's it's it's, it's astonishing. So then the base of the whole pandemic is a faulty mm-hmm. test. So, uh, <laughs> what you're telling me, I mean, it's it's really kind of amazing, and uh, you don't hear this uh, a lot because people are afraid to say that. So, one of the things we can talk about are what are some of the deceptions of public health policy. That that to me has been one of the most uh, devastating uh, occurrences uh, of this entire pandemic. Is that Public health has gotten involved in really pulling the wool over the eyes of the American people, the people of the world, not just the American people. What are some of those deceptions that uh, stand out for you? Well, I'm, I'll give you one example. This is sort of, you could say, well, it's trivial. It's not trivial. It's important because of the fact that it's being deceptive. The CDC, uh, in the last few months, all of a sudden, it's announced they had redefined, they, they changed the definition. A vaccine. 
So when they changed the definition, well, I, that's when the CDC started writing dictionaries. But it turns out, I, did, I just learned this recently, the definition of a vaccine is a statutory definition. And I have it in front of me. It's the, the cornell.edu uh, law has a website, and it's the Legal Information Institute. The definition of a vaccine According to the 26 U.S. Code 4132, Definition of Special Rules, Vaccine, quote, the term vaccine means any substance designed to be administered to a human being for the prevention of one or more diseases. As the evidence became overwhelming and could not be any longer credibly denied, the CDC and the mainstream medicine world has finally acknowledged that the current the vaccines in use currently with the current variants do not prevent infection or transmission. That's an arguable fact. The number, the percent of people who are getting COVID now who are vaccinated versus unvaccinated, the percent of people who are getting COVID who've been vaccinated is higher than even the percent of the people vaccinated. So if anything, there appears to be uh, some trend toward where if you've had the COVID vaccine, you're actually more likely to get COVID infection with the current variants than if you hadn't had the vaccine. And if you get it, you're probably more likely to get more serious illness because there have been data now and published in papers in the medical literature that the vaccines actually, although they stimulate production of the antibodies on the one hand, which you can measure and all that, the antibodies are the least important part of the immune system. So the other part of the immune system is actually suppressed for a period of time. Uh, so anyway, going back to the point about definitions, I looked up under the definition of vitamin D. Vitamin D, this is a quote, published article, Journal of Investigative Medicine, August 2011. Some of the more recently recognized non-classical actions of vitamin D include effects upon cell proliferation and differentiation, as well as immunologic effects, resulting in an ability to maintain tolerance and to promote protective immunity. Vitamin D, according to the CDC, the current definition is a vaccine. So that shows you the absurdity of it. And furthermore, the CDC doesn't have the authority to make the change of definition. So that's just one example, a concrete example, rather extraordinary, though, when you think about it. So the, uh, unfortunately, the, <clears throat> many of the things that, are, that the public is being told are either exaggerations or, or in, untrue. One example, and again, this is not the most important part, but the use of face masks. There are hundreds, hundreds, I can show them to anybody who wants to see them, hundreds of published studies showing there's virtually no benefit from wearing face masks in prevention of COVID. There's none. The, the handful, in North Carolina, somebody petitioned or challenged the governor's office this last summer to produce papers, uh, any evidence that would support the mask mandate. The governor's office produced 22 papers that they claim did that. It turns out that the uh, John Locke Foundation had somebody professional to analyze the papers. And of the 22 papers, not one of them supported anything about face masks preventing viral transmission. So there is overwhelming evidence they don't do anything. There's also overwhelming evidence that they are 
in a lot of ways, potentially harmful. And yet, to this day, we're still going to be mass mandates. A mass mandate is just, it's an atrocious abomination. There's no justification whatsoever. They do nothing. Uh, it's an illusion. Even N95s are debatable how much uh, they do. But to use an N95 mask properly, people who've used them as surgeons say that you had to be trained professionally and fitted with them because if if they do work, if they're uh, safe, if they're fitted well, then the individual is subject to risk from using the mask. So the face mask is one example, a huge example of deception. The other deception, of course, is they're still to this day using PCR testing. Widespread. The CDC about nine months ago actually admitted public, they wrote in public that at the end of this past year, they were going to stop using the PCR test because it could not distinguish between the common cold and, and influenza and uh, COVID. And it can't, and they're still using them. So you know, I don't know why. So we have to ask them. Dr. Ravenel, what what is the the answer here to uh, to try and turn this tide around? Uh, I'm I'm looking, for instance, at um, in October. Uh, I'm going to go to the American Academy of Ophthalmology meeting. In order to be allowed to attend that meeting, you have to show proof that you've had. I think what they are what they are requiring is the primary vaccination, which I assume is the original vaccinations from several years ago. They're not requiring the boosters. But in order to actually attend the meeting in person, uh, that's what you have to do. Uh, and again, I look at all the data, the data you've discussed, and uh, I can't see where that's a valid uh, medical requirement. These policies are nothing to do with, with the data. They're not based on data. They're not based on science. They are political and whatever are the reasons the individuals have, vested interests, so on. Uh, I, uh, sometimes a lot of people ask, well, uh, how do you know you've got total opposite streams of dialogue about any given aspect of COVID you want to talk about? Well, how do you know which one to believe? I've always thought that if you look at the two different sides arguing, if, on, if one side has if either side has a vested interest, financial or career-wise, whatever, most people, by common sense, are skeptical. On the other hand, look at the motivation of individuals who challenge these favored narratives. For example, physicians. Dr. McCullough, for example, the most credentialed cardiologist on planet Earth, inarguable fact, and author of 40 COVID uh, COVID-19 papers, treatment expert, literature, academic literature, peak of the academic literature on COVID. He has had a number of the honorary titles that he was had been awarded over the years stripped away from him. For what reason? Because he has dared to share and to prove with uh, credible scientific articles the effectiveness and safety of early treatment. He should have a Nobel Prize for this work, as should Dr. Zev Zelenko in New York. But they lose their, they, they, they're, they're threatened. The American Board of Internal Medicine, as I understand, has begun to inform physicians that if they share any information which they consider 
the board uh, to be, quote, misinformation, they will uh, subject their license to possible suspension. And, and yet their definition of misinformation is anything which doesn't agree with the people who are spreading misinformation. That's where we are. It's sort of a catch-22, unfortunately. It would be really refreshing if somehow someone could wave a magic wand and the truth would be suddenly written in, in the sky for all of us to see. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, do you? I do think that. You, touching back on your question about how to, where, where do we go from here? How do we get out of this? Uh, the answer, I believe, is the the fact of what we're doing and hundreds of others are doing across the country, probably as we speak, dialoguing, sharing, networking, sharing, uh, talking, writing, speaking, but sharing the truth and the facts and the data. Share the data, share the data, share the data. And more and more people are beginning to see the truth. The I read, I read recently, yesterday, I believe it was, someone that does analysis of world kind of a, a monitor of, they take millions and millions of people surveyed in more than 53 countries to what percent of people today uh, believe that there are a lot of uh, narratives about COVID which are incorrect or, or false. And the number was over 50%. Hmm. So the number of people is exponentially growing to understand. I also read this today, a posted piece that I will share with my own network of friends that is a fully vaccinated Australian individual who has come to, uh, I think it's a physician, but it's a person who formerly would tended to, he joined in some, some sometimes casting criticism toward un- unvaccinated individuals because they're selfish and they're not going to do their part to protect their fellow man and all, which it doesn't do. He, he basically was a beautiful essay. And he said, in essence, we, the vac- we vaccinated people have been complicit in one of the great atrocities that I can ever remember, meaning subjecting some of our peers and our friends and our family to unfair criticism and uh, denigrating and blaming them for being responsible for uh, people who took the vaccine getting sick. And it turns out that the evidence is becoming now more and more um, convincing is that if there's any difference at all in the status of the likelihood of an individual who's been vaccinated or not been vaccinated, if there's any difference in the risk that, that, that one or the other poses to others, it's probably a greater risk from the ones that are vaccinated because their immune system suppressed. They're more prone to get infections from other viruses and or infection with COVID and spread it than are people who have not vaccinated. Uh, we have n- uh, different surveys now, 57, 60% of all the people in America have apparently, even the CDC says this, that they about some 60 some percent, I believe it is 57 percent, actually have evidence of being immune. This original strains have had COVID. So uh, the idea of giving a vaccine or mandating a vaccine, let alone giving, even giving of COVID vaccine to an individual who's had COVID is irrational and I think completely unsupportable and dangerous. Well, Dr. Ravenel, this has been an incredible discussion. Any final thoughts you would like to impart? Yes, I think... Uh, for people to, as a uh, as a person who follows a Christian perspective in life, or even if I were of the Jewish persuasion, that, that we all follow the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, fear in the Bible is uh, talked about only negatively. Uh, fear not, in essence, is in the Bible, I think, 300 times. So 
the, the, I think the, the key thing out of the way out of all this is fear not, uh, have faith, uh, be positive, look forward. There is effective early treatment is available. Large number of people. It can be gotten very effective. The risk of the current variance is very small. It is time to move on and to get past all these irrational mandates. Dr. Ravenel, thank you for being a guest on Freedom Forum Radio. Thank you for the interesting dialogue. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Be all right this morning.